Hello there, it's Phil Kane here. I'm a journalist who writes about alcohol, and I believe that by having an intelligent discussion around alcohol, we can hope to produce positive change. The subject today is alcohol taxation, and this is part of a broader argument about alcohol pricing. The price of alcohol, like the price of any product, is going to determine to some extent the amount of alcohol we consume. So if it's, if it's expensive, we won't consume very much. If it's cheap, we'll consume a lot. A very simple argument, but it's actually more complicated than that. And uh, somebody who's looked at this in a lot more detail than I have is Scott Korf, who's Director of Research at the Social Market Foundation. And uh, yeah, uh, welcome, uh, Scott. Good morning, Phil. Yeah, th thanks very much for coming on. I have read your report and uh, taken quite a few uh, interesting messages from it. But could you just maybe outline for us what, uh, why uh, alcohol tax and is important um, to people and, and to the, to the uh, sale of alcohol? So we, we really started looking at alcohol tax as an issue because when we were sort of going through our list of all of the taxes, taxes and duties in the UK, alcohol tax really stands out as um, one aspect of the UK tax system that's just incredibly irrational um, from whatever way you look at it. Um, it's a system that doesn't really make much sense from whatever angle. Um, different products are taxed in different ways. It's not really creating the right kinds of incentives. So quite often stronger alcohol products are taxed at a gentler rate than weaker strength products. Yeah, yeah. And it doesn't seem to be uh, an effective tool for addressing some of the substantial public health issues around alcohol. So the reason we have an alcohol tax in the UK, or at least part of the reason is as a way of mitigating some of the negative health impacts of alcohol consumption. Uh, from an economic perspective, you want to tax what economists call it externalities. So um, harms to wider society, whether that be healthcare costs, costs associated with crime and so on. You want to levy a higher tax on goods that generate these kinds of externalities and that includes alcohol. Um, but our duty system just seems a very poor way of addressing those health problems. Um, so we started this process by acknowledging the fact that the current system is dysfunctional, it's irrational, and we've started to think about how can we reform the system to better uh, improve public health and provide better incentives for alcohol producers as well to produce healthier products, to reduce the strength of their products, and to take some of the worst offender products off the market. And what uh, proposals did you uh, come up with? So we made a number of proposals in the report. Um, one of the ma major pro proposals we make is to treat all alcohol products in the same way if they are the same strength. So at the moment, if you look at a, a prod, uh, alcohol drink of a given strength, cider, wine, beer and spirits are taxed at different rates most of the time. Um, this doesn't really make sense. You want to treat all products the same way. So one is about levelling the playing field with respect to alcohol duty. One of our other proposals is to tax stronger products at a higher rate um, per unit of alcohol. So you want a higher tax on the strongest drinks. And the reason we propose this is because the evidence is quite clear. If you look at who the hazardous and harmful drinkers in society are, who is consuming the most amount of alcohol, they disproportionately purchase stronger products. Mm -hmm. So thinking about what I was saying earlier about targeting externalities, you want to focus the tax on where the health harms are greatest. And with respect to alcohol, that is stronger strength products. So taxing stronger strength products at a higher rate 
And then one of our other proposals is to introduce a new distinction in the alcohol duty system between what's sold in the on-trade and what's sold in the off-trade. And that's for similar reasons. If you look at the evidence base, we know that the heaviest drinkers of alcohol consume cheaper products. And those cheaper products aren't sold in pubs where alcohol is more expensive. They are sold in the off-trade. And that's things like uh, white ciders, it's often very cheap. So you want to focus the tax on the on those cheaper products. Mm -hmm. So, finally, so understand it at the moment we have different tax rates for different kinds of drink. Uh, so beer is taxed at one rate, uh, wine is taxed at another rate, and cider is taxed at another. Where as if they were kind of completely different commodities. But you're saying that they should be looked at as a alcoholic product, and each uh, within that broader category, there should be bans for different strengths of these products so exactly so we, and we call this a strength escalator for alcohol um and one of our other proposals in the report is to to have sort of depoliticize the setting of alcohol taxation if you look at where alcohol taxes have gone in recent years and re recent decades there's been little coherent holistic thinking around alcohol taxation often politicians cut taxes or freeze taxes as sort of political gestures without thinking about what we're trying to achieve with alcohol duty. Um, and this has led to some of the disparities between uh, diff how different products are taxed. Um, we want that process of alcohol taxation to be depoliticized and focused on what the evidence base actually says. Um, we want a, a system of alcohol taxation that's focused on what the evidence says around the health impacts of alcohol consumption, what the heaviest drinkers are drinking and that that should determine what the tax rates are rather than political gestures trying to woo over the electorate i mean there are of course political aspects of alcohol in it is a uh, economic commodity it's produced by people it's sold by people uh, retailed by people uh, and therefore there is always going to be an element of, uh, of, of politics involved um, is it possible to truly uh, divorce this subject from uh, the political reality? Well, first of all, on that point about uh, some of the economic arguments around alcohol taxation, this comes up a lot in the political debate in, in the UK and indeed elsewhere, that we should cut taxes or freeze taxes to protect jobs in industries such as the Scotch whisky industry. One point we make in our report is these economic arguments very rarely stand up to scrutiny. I mean, take Scotch whisky as an example. 90% uh, of Scotch whisky produced in the UK is exported, so it's not affected by the domestic duty regime. So this argument that you need to cut uh, spirits duty to protect Scotch whisky production doesn't seem to hold when you look at the details. And indeed, if you look at consumption patterns, most of the growth in spirits consumption has been driven by products such as vodka rather than products such as whisky. Um, so these arguments often don't stand up to scrutiny. In terms of depoliticizing the process, what we recommend is the overall level of alcohol taxation is determined by a sort of independent commission of experts in the healthcare sector um, and also, also other experts in areas such as crime to understand what the health impact and the social impact of alcohol is. And then that should determine how much alcohol is taxed. And I think the general view um, is alcohol should be uprated each year by something like inflation or earnings um, with perhaps a five or ten year more detailed review undertaken by a commission. Um, so this would help take some of the politics out of there. Mm. 
Mm-hmm. I mean, you, you mentioned there the uh, the fact that Scotch whiskey, for instance, is 90% exported. And that, just to clarify, means that they're not taxed in the UK and therefore uh, to talk about uh, the Scotch whiskey's uh, economic interest being in the ta- you know in a low tax within the UK mm. is just not true because they're not actually being most of their products are not being taxed in the UK. Uh, exactly, and I think the another economic point to make around these jobs arguments is the jobs supported in these industries is only one side of the story as far as alcohol and employment is concerned. There is some evidence that. Uh, heavy alcohol consumption is associated with someone being more likely to be out of work, to be unemployed. Um, and clearly, if you have severe health problems through alcohol consumption, you might not be able to work. So really what we should be interested in is what is the net impact of alcohol on employment in the economy? And it, it, it's not just a matter of adding up how many people work in whiskey production or beer production, because alcohol costs jobs in some other parts of the economy. So we really want to look at the whole picture, and that's not what the current political debate is doing. Mm-hmm. Now, there's an interesting point. We talk about the Scotch whisky industry, which is obviously a, a domestic uh, industry based around production of alcohol. But then, obviously, the, our policies are also tied to the economic uh, realities of other countries. And one thing I understand about the system as it is at the moment is that the wine is wine production or wine is taxed in a different way to um, wine. Uh, excuse me, to uh, beer and uh, spirits. Um, and uh, you know wh- how, why does that work for well why are we tied into this system mm. who's it working for mm. so one of the issues with wine is that under eu regulations you cannot vary the taxation on wine according to the strength of the product so this strength escalator project uh, um, proposal that we've made in our report cannot be implemented under eu rules under, under eu rules wine has to be taxed according to the volume of, of, of the wine. So you cannot vary it if it's a 12% wine, a 13% or a 14% strength wine. Um, so there are potentially some benefits here from leaving the EU and being able to produce a more rationalised alcohol duty system. At the moment, you can tax beer according to the alcohol content in beer. You can't do the same for wine. Uh, Post-Brexit, the UK could potentially align these two drinks categories and have an approach which focuses on the alcohol content of wine and beer. And why is it uh, in anybody's favour to have a system in which wine is this sort of anomalous category in which there is not this freedom to have a tax uh, as you've described? Well I think a trend across uh, a lot of countries is alcohol taxation is very rarely determined by the underlying evidence on health or social impacts of alcohol, it's often driven by political arguments and arguments made by industry. Um, and in the European context, that often means giving quite a favorable treatment to wine. So a lot of European countries have zero alcohol duty on wine. Um, and when you think about that, that sort of lobbying power at a Europe, European-wide level, there's probably quite limited uh, lobbying, lobbying power within Europe to introduce this kind of system for wine taxation, because outside of the UK, in, in countries like what, countries like France and Italy and Spain, wine's a relatively important industry, um, so it's not in their interest to lobby for that kind of change to wine taxation. Okay, and I mean, do, obviously, we're in a, a great deal of uncertainty about what's going to happen in terms of uh, the UK's relationship with Europe. Is there any realistic possibility that Britain could? disengage from this particular bit of European policy? 
Well, we know that if, if you look at the Conservatives election manifesto from, from the December election, they mentioned in the manifesto doing a review of alcohol duty. So the Conservatives have committed to that kind of review of alcohol duty, and we would expect some kind of changes going forward. What those changes look like is very unclear at this stage, but it's definitely on the cards. And I think we also need to look at what uh, the Chancellor Sajid Javid said a couple of weeks ago about the UK's regulatory regime starting to diverge from Europe following Brexit, um, which quite a lot of people interpreted as a sign that actually the UK will move away from European regulation in a number of respects, rather than saying it's staying closely aligned. So that would open up, uh, that would pave the way for things like this kind of alcohol duty reform. But nevertheless, it would be part of this broader, much you know, enormous negotiation process, and I suppose require a, a, a substantial amount of political will to to to, to renegotiate this particular part of uh, our arrangements with the EU. Yes, uh, and as you say, those those sort of long-term negotiations will be difficult and complex, and this might be an area where Europe puts its foot down and doesn't allow the UK to have that kind of flexibility. Mm -hmm. I mean, the, the uh, policy which has obviously taken a lot more uh, press in the recent years, because essentially because something is happening, uh, is the uh, minimum unit pricing in Scotland, um, which sets a, well, as, as this name suggests, a minimum price for mm. a particular unit of alcohol, 10 millilitres of alcohol cost 50p and above and, and no less. Um, how do you see that? Does that fit together with your proposal? Is, are they harmonious? Are they uh, different? Uh, ideas, um, you know, are there, are there, is it one or the other, or, or can both? I mean, I, I don't think it's one or the other. I think minimum alcohol pricing and alcohol duty are policies that have different impacts, and they have different helping impacts, and they also have different distributional impacts. Um, so, one one big distinction between minimum alcohol pricing and alcohol duty is who the potential winners and losers from the policy are. Is some people have made the argument that minimum alcohol pricing is may be relatively good news for supermarkets, for example, because they then charge more for alcohol products. Um, whereas alcohol duty, the, the gains are more towards government and the exchequer in the form of higher tax receipts. So there are some differences there in terms of who gains and who loses. And I think there's also some important distributional issues around individual alcohol consumers. Um, so clearly minimum unit pricing affects the cheaper end of the price distribution, whereas alcohol duty applies to all kinds of beverage, regardless of the price of the beverage. And we know from the data on alcohol consumption in the UK that people on higher incomes are more likely to drink higher levels of alcohol. So if you wanna, reduce, if you wanna curb alcohol consumption amongst those individuals as well, duty might be a more effective way of doing that because it, it applies to the more expensive products that those individuals are drinking. So they're different tools and they impact different, different groups of people. And they have different benefits and cons. So I don't think it's one or the other. I think it's about what you're trying to achieve and thinking about what, what the implications of each policy are. Mm -hmm. In terms of you know, selling this policy to a, a political party, conservatives or whoever, uh, I mean, what can you say to a, a politician to say that, look, this is gonna uh, make you a popular politician and, and give you, um, you know, political uh, success? Well, if you look at the survey evidence around this, it, it's not the case that the public as a whole is really against alcohol taxation, some of the principles around it. Actually, a lot of the population is supportive of the idea that you have a tax system that discourages 
excessive drinking and tackles some of these worst offender alcohol products such as the super strength cheap cider. So first of all, I don't think there is widespread public opposition to alcohol taxation as a concept. People just want to be assured that it's fair and that it's there for a reason, i.e. to address health problems around alcohol. Um, so I think that's one part of the argument. And I think there are also some other points to make as well. So this isn't, uh, what we're proposing in our report isn't about clobbering the responsible mild drinker, if you want to put it that way. Um, our, our, our proposals are all about focusing taxation on where the health harms are most highly concentrated. And that is, um, as I said, these stronger strength products, these cheaper products. And our, our proposed system is more about focusing tax on those harmful products. So it's not about hitting the person who doesn't drink very much, drinks very lightly. And I think the final point I'd make is, and I think politicians of all parties should care about this, is health inequalities in the UK. Um, and what the, what the election result has seen is a dramatic change in the Conservative voter base. The Conservatives now have much more Northern voters, and there's a much wider discussion now about regional inequalities in the UK. Now, granted, much of that's been about economic inequalities, but I think another thing that's really going to um, be much more widely discussed over the coming years is health inequalities in the UK. And these are stark. There's widening differences in life expectancy in the UK. And one of the figures we state in our report is even, even though people on higher incomes are more likely to drink uh, heavier amounts of alcohol, if you look at alcohol-related deaths, these are much more concentrated amongst those in the lower income groups in the most deprived parts of the UK. So if, if we really want to level up the UK and tackle health inequalities as well as economic inequalities, I think addressing alcohol-related deaths has to be part of that policy package. Mm -hmm. And do you think people who are in that economic bracket would see it in that way? Or would they th think, well, look, we're, we can barely afford our weekly pack of beer or whatever, and therefore uh, you're kind of hitting the poor as a regressive tax on, mm -hmm. on people who are already having a hard enough time already? Mm. Well, one point we make in, a, in our report, and as you, as you quite rightly say, this, this, this does come up a lot in the debate around alcohol taxation and other so-called sin taxes, such as t taxation of tobacco, is these are aggressive, they hit lower income households hardest. Um, but our view is, if you really care about inequality and, and uh, regressive policies in the UK, these are much better addressed through other means, such as the benefit system, or broader, broader types of taxation like income tax and VAT. Um, it, it makes very little sense if you care about inequality in the UK to try and tackle this through alcohol taxation or tobacco taxation. It seems, it seems like a very odd way of going about it. So if, if an increase in alcohol uh, tax has a regressive impact, you can mitigate that elsewhere through more generous benefits or, or through curbing other types of tax. I don't think that's the case against alcohol duty. Okay. Well, this, it sounds like we have uh, some interesting debates to come ahead in the next year. I'm sure there'll be many, uh, many other discussions about this and other topics to do with the uh, Brexit uh, departure. Um, thank you very much for your time. And uh, yeah, I uh, hopefully speak to you again in uh, the coming future about some developments in this area. Thank you very Great. much. Thank you, Phil.